0: I'm not afraid to Welcome to Brook Talks America, home of the new right, and our pa- Tactical Tuesdays podcast with Joe Dolio, also known as the Joe Stradamus and Brooke the Magnificent Show. Welcome, Joe, and welcome to our mascot, Lucy, who's there with a bone. Sitting with us as she always is because she's great. Um, just a reminder that you can sign up at each of our sites for alert on new alerts on new articles and shows. Mine is BrookTalksAmerica.com. Joe's is TacticalWisdom.com. Tactical Dash wisdom.com and he also has a youtube channel of the same name uh tell your friends and leave us a comment to say how much you love the show and i'm just going to give joe a little chance to plug his new venture which is about to be finished what is it joe
1: um tactical wisdom volume four scouting and patrolling is all done except for the warrior study part which should be done in the next two hours so that means tomorrow and thursday Probably editing and getting it off to the to the publisher. Um, my my artist, who is a serious professional, known as my son, uh, <laughs> already has the cover ready for me to slap on there. So we should be able to get this thing out by early next week.
0: Awesome! So great. That's uh, you go to tactical dot com for all of Joe's great stuff and get one of those uh, patches too. They're awesome. I'm waiting for some stickers myself. You have you gotten stickers printed?
1: Uh, we have stickers being worked on and as soon as they're available, I'll have someone, uh, shoot some your way.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I'll totally put them uh, on the car and pass them out. We're okay. actually having our, uh, um,
1: our video producer from the Council on Future Conflict is going to do the patches for me. Uh huh. So he's going to handle it all beginning to end and it's just going to make it easier on me. And that's a cool thing. We're pretty happy for that. So.
0: I mean, you're a mogul, Joe. A mogul, I tell you. Hey, um, I'll tell you
1: what, I got a whole empire going.
0: You do <laughs> By I way, love it. What?
1: For anyone who wants to check out the, the YouTube channel, we just did a really great one-hour-long uh, conversation with Gideon Jobert of South Africa. And he is a, um, a security professional in South Africa. He teaches people how to use firearms and protect themselves. And we talked about how their society um, is struggling through their planned power outages uh, 12 to 14 hours a day, which is something we see coming here. So it's very instructive. So maybe check that video out over on, uh, over on my YouTube channel.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, you've been talking about that for a while, specifically about South, South Africa saying that's the test. That's not only the test place, you know, the place where they uh, test all these strategies that they do, but also how they used your, uh, methods to protect themselves.
1: Absolutely. Gideon uh, mentions that, that the tactics in my books are, are what they were using to develop neighborhood protection teams that stopped the riots last year. So pretty interesting stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, and everybody needs to, uh, you know, we had a little hi- holiday hiatus for America's Independence Day, of course. Uh, hope everybody celebrated and have fun. Um, and they can, you know, we wanted to give everybody a chance to listen to some of the archives. If you haven't yet, make sure you go back and listen to those. Get all of Joe's books, and then you can listen along with the books and look at the diagrams and stuff. Uh Before we begin, I want to, today is Medal of Honor Day. So we want to acknowledge all the soldiers, sailors, Marines, airmen, guardians, and Coast Guardsmen. I have to say, they don't give Medal of Honor to canines. Uh, but they should. They probably should have given them two horses. Uh, they have served and sacrificed and been incredibly gallant, uh, but I want to honor those people who've gotten the Medal of Honor. Many men and women, uh, likely even women, deserve accolades for their bravery during wartime, and they should all have it. America should understand that they owe tremendous gratitude to so many for their freedoms. Um, maybe you had hot, and on 4th of July, Independence Day, maybe you had hot dogs, Or maybe you had breakfast tacos, but either way, see Say Podway at the Bogota. So I just had to Lord. (laughs) You know how we roll, Joe. You know how we roll. I had just just had to throw that in there. Um because we're living in can you
1: live in the United States and not know how to pronounce the word bodega.
0: Oh my God, I know, but I love listen, I love it because they are so ridiculous. And every time they pander with this crap, they get themselves in trouble. So it's delicious. I mean, he'll be in single digits with Hispanics by the time this week is over, really. So This
1: is fantastic. Yeah, it's
0: great, right?
1: Glorious. Glorious.
0: (laughs) C. Pardway. Someone (laughs) read that speech about the breakfast tacos. That's the crazy thing. Some white liberal said, oh yeah, we're going to compare all Hispanics to breakfast tacos. They're going to love that.
1: Yeah. And in all honesty, most most Hispanic people are like, the hell is a breakfast taco? Yeah.
0: Anyway. And what is yeah. Latinx? Like they don't call They hate that. And yet they insist because for gender studies, queers, Hispanic queers, yeah. trannies call themselves Latin Latinx. So it's crazy. Okay, so today we're discussing Chapter 7 in uh, Book 3 of Joe's Tactical Wisdom Series, which is about organizing for defense. As we always say, Joe's books are based on what he calls the ultimate tactical handbook, which is the Bible, and each chapter has a Bible verse in it, uh, usually based on the topic, obviously, what, what we're discussing in these podcasts for the chapter. So before we get into the chapter, as per usual, I'd like you to go ahead and read the Bible verse and give it significance.
1: Uh, you know, this one is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. Proverbs twenty five twenty six. So would you want to drink muddy water? <laughs> no. Would you want to drink from a polluted spring? So someone who gives way before the wicked, in other words, letting the bad guys have their way or letting the 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 people who are dragging our children to to drag queen shows have their way. God says you're like a polluted spring or a muddied well. Mm. So you need to do something uh, rather than sitting around. So anyway, that's, that's the significance of it.
0: Well, I tell you, you know, there are people that are doing things and they're getting active in a way they never have before. So that is good. Whether or not it's enough, at least – In dribs and drabs, here's and there's, people are actually getting busy. And the, uh, you know, like in Florida, they're talking, DeSantis is going heavy on the school. He's very involved in the school boards. So, you know, sometimes you have, like what, it's darkest before the dawn, so.
1: Right, right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, in previous podcasts, we've covered many of these methods, right, in broad general terms, some more extensively than others, but we're getting really deeper now into the actual operations during without rule of law situations, not hypotheticals, but actual situations. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before, I felt like this unexplained call, so to speak, to do a preparedness podcast. And Joe and I were friends on Twitter and before I got kicked off, of course. Um, and I bought his book, so I asked him to do this. So every time, you know, it has seemed like we do the podcast and, and it's like, well, You know, this is kind of, you know, I know Joe is very always enthusiastic that it's definitely going to come. And, of course, he talks about the 72, you know, 72 hour rule. And sometimes on my part, I kind of was like, well, maybe this is just an exercise in hypotheticals. But I have to be honest, every day in the news makes literally every single solitary thing we've talked about that Joe has written about become extremely real. And I have to say, you know, we're going to get into it later in this chapter the at the end of it, it's talking about food storage now and and how you're going to, you know, people that are preparing what they're going to do with food storage. If the if they have a situation where nobody else has food and what do you do with it, it, stuff like that. It really freaked me out, because if you watch what's going on, obviously, you know, Joe and I are the same mindset that this is obviously all planned. It's not even a question if you if you don't think any of this is planned, then you're retarded. But with the food production and fertilizer restrictions from Sri Lanka to the Dutch farmers has, you know, is like freaking me out because this is real. These are literally people that are starving. And one of the reasons, right, the great, this is the great reset. It's in motion and we all need to prepare for what that means because this is the ESG score that China has imposed in their, in that country that's, you know, going to kill half of half of their population that they want to put all around the world, even by, even if by some miracle we can stop or reverse any of this stuff, the interim is going to be very bad to say the least. So if you haven't been, you know, started to prepare, you need to do so now.
1: You you know, while we're on that topic later on, when we get to the the political side of things, remind me to tell you of the ESG actions that UPS is about to take. It's going to kind of shock you. Um, But you know, I wanted to point out, you mentioned the 72 hour theory. Over the weekend, I've had several people email me about events in various places across the world proving my 72 hour theory. For yep. example, in 72 hours, Sri Lanka went from a semi functioning, um, situation where there was a crisis to the, the president has fled the country by air. The prime minister's house has been burned to the ground and there is no government whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there is that same thing. Uh, the Netherlands went from a uh, to a mostly peaceful country to complete and utter anarchy in the streets and resistance to where the police are actually shooting at kids. Uh, oh and God. the same thing has happened in um, in Peru and Albania and throughout the world. We're at an accelerating rate, folks. You need to take this a lot more seriously um, and yeah. seriously up your preparations, especially yeah. food.
0: Yeah, um, it's really crazy. Thank God for the Second Amendment. And, you know, listen, the tree, we need some gardening, and that's going to happen on a global scale. So in this country, at least, thank God we have that. Uh, so, Joe, what is a tactical operations center? What should you have in there? What should you not have in there? Who should be in there and who shouldn't? And how are the talk duties dis- distributed between the fit, you know, the more fit people, less fit? And then what is the Channel 3 project? I know that's
1: so, a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. But but a, a talk is a tactical operations center. That's what we call it in the military. Um, if you're on board a ship, they call it a, a CIC, the Combat Information Center. But it's basically your command post. It's somewhere where everything is organized. And you might not think you need one, but your group needs one. So you can keep track of who is where, who is doing what, and that you maintain a bigger picture awareness of what's going on around you. Basically, it can be two people to begin with, right? You're going to designate some part of your complex or a room in a building or, or whatever as that that place that that operation center that place where we're all going to report into where we organize ourselves from it's vitally important so when picking out a spot for this it has to be defensible it can't be like the first house outside your perimeter it's got to be somewhere towards the center and something that you can defend if you had enough people to do it right it's got to be it can't just be an open space. It needs to be a building you can actually literally defend. Um That's why you got to have a security person assigned to it. When we talked about security posts earlier, that was one of them, right? One person at the command center. So it's got to be there. The best place is to be located somewhere central, like in the middle, so that you can get a runner to or from it in relatively short order from the rest of your complex. If it's a whole complex or a building or whatever, you want to be able to send runners if radio communications aren't working. So... Gotta be somewhere centrally located. Um, the first group of people that need to be there is your radio section. So you need to have someone there listening to radios, um, that, that have longer range, like HF radios or ham radios, things like that. Um, and, and writing down everything they hear. But a big thing to have there is like a police scanner. And I know that in a without rule of, of law society, we're talking about there being no police and fire, but most scanners now will also pick up any radio traffic around you. And so having one on and listening, you'll hear others who might be trying to check out your defenses or considering how they might come and steal food from you, talking to each other on the radio. So listening, uh, having a scanner up and listening to that will help you. Something else for your communications team you to be listening for is what's called the Channel 3 project. And that's put out by the American Readout Radio Operators Network. They're at Amron.com. Uh, A-M-R-R-O-N dot com. And what it basically says is that for for preparedness-minded people, you can monitor Family Radio Service Channel 3, CB Channel 3, Multi-Use Radio Service or MERS Channel 3, uh, or a specific ham frequency every hour at the top of the hour. That way everyone knows I can go to any Channel 3 and call out for help. And if there are other like-minded people around, they'll be listening. And it's a great way if you're moving through a new area, get on the radio, ask what the local conditions are and whatever, um, someone to call out for help on that. So someone needs to be listening to that at the top of every hour, and it can be someone right there in your command post. It's actually a pretty good thing um, for a disaster. It's been used a lot of times. Um, not a bad thing. Even CBs, Channel 3, whatever you've got, whatever kind of radio you have, turn it to Channel 3 at the top of the hour.
0: But you want to be careful in that situation where if you hear other people, you're not going to give your coordinates away. Be very careful.
1: Right. So if somebody's down there calling for help and say, hey, listen, you know, we're, we're, you know, we were attacked or we're, we're lost and we need help, don't give them the location of your front gate. Give them a location <laughs> a little bit away and send people out to meet them so you make sure they're really what they claim to be, right? Um, we want to give away our location as the last resort. We want to go out, try to find them, and offer them help. If you go to that location and there's no one there, then, hey, break off all contact with them. They're not who they claim they are. It's entirely possible, since this information is out there in the public domain, that bad folks will get a hold mm-hmm. of it. They might even listen to this podcast and might try to use it. So just make sure you're being smart about it. Someone calls for help. We certainly want to try to help them, but arrange to meet them somewhere other than right at your front gate. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Agent Jensen is listening, so we definitely can not tell him where we're going.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I got an article on my website um, last week about, um, speaking of agents of the federal government, the FCC. Um, there was an article that was ran in Slate where they said right wing groups are using unlicensed radio like CB, Family Radio <laughs> Service or, or MERS to organize terrorist events. They organized the January 6th attack that way. So they're going to try to shut down your ability to use these unlicensed radio frequencies where you have to put up a license instead. So I'm saying you got to make your own decision on where you are on radios. Read the article. It'll explain it all to you.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, can we just remind everybody though, that you had your own experience and apparently they're not going to apply this to their own side because when you were in Detroit, you know, for anybody who hasn't heard before, tell the story of how you were on the radio and you heard Antifa. Oh,
1: that was actually in Lansing, but yeah, it was in the Michigan area. But but yeah, I mean, Antifa's been using these channels forever. So one day I'm listening to them talking to each other in my ear, uh, and I hear them describing me and they're saying, Hey, follow that guy to his car. So I quickly ducked out and I lost him in a couple parking ramps and changed the, changed my clothes. But for all their talk about the right wing using these radio channels, the left wing has been using them for longer and they're out there on those channels. That's why I say get a scanner that will receive them. So you're always out there listening. To find out where they are. So I took a reporter to an event once and uh, he was like, well, how do we know what they're doing? So I pulled out a scanner and I showed him how easy it is to find Antifa and Black Lives Matter operating unlicensed on radio channels um, and uh, and listen in on what they're talking about. So it was actually pretty, uh, pretty eye opening for a reporter. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah. But now we're so, not we're not allowed to do it. OK, go ahead.
1: Right on. So there's also um, one group that should never be located near your command post, and that's your medical team. Um, because if a fight happens and someone attacks your compound or you're having to defend it, you don't want the people making the decisions about how to defend it seeing the wounded. Because if you see, you know, three or four people come through that are shot up pretty bad, you don't want that to temper their decisions, right? You want them to make the decisions for the best of the bigger whole not based on the emotion of seeing injured people coming there. Plus, there'll be a lot of people coming and going from a medical section, and it will distract people. So that should never be in the same place as your command center. Designate somewhere else as your medical facility. Um, <clears throat> also, somewhere in there, you need to have some sort of a, of a map on a wall, like a large-scale map that shows your general area, where you can track incidents that have happened, people you've seen, um campsites you've come across, so that you have a big-picture idea of what's going on outside your bug-out location or your home or whatever. Um, that's got all the information you've been gathering through sending out patrols or talking to people or listening to the radio, right? So you need some sort of a larger map that that helps you plan what you're doing. Another important thing needs to be there is an accountability list. So throughout the day, as people come and go, like one group might go and get water. They need to check in and out with that command post so you know Hey, so and so left three hours ago, but they didn't come back. We need to send someone to go see where they are. Just a basic thing like that, so you know where everyone is at all times. Um, Another thing to have there, yeah, it is, it is. Another thing to have there is your intelligence report binder. So, whenever your people gather information, like whether somebody at the gate talks to someone, or somebody runs into town to make a purchase and has a conversation, and they get some info. Excuse me, one second. Oh, a little cough there. Um they write all that information down and you keep it in a binder so that later on, as you go back and review it, you might find out that they talked to a guy three weeks ago who mentioned something that you then later saw. It's just important to write all this stuff down so you can review it later and it might show you bigger picture threats that the individual pieces of information wouldn't show you.
0: Right. And just on that point, you know, you always emphasize paper, physical paper or or their removal. What's the paper? The other one that has uh, the one you talk about. Right in the rain. Yeah. So between the two of them, also remember, if we assume hopefully that someday the rule of law will be reestablished, that will that will document. Whatever happened, if you had to do something that's, you know, that's going to necessitate legal representation, you have the documentation as to why and what happened.
1: Right on, and and I'll tell you, um, a few weeks ago when NC Scout and I were doing that training class here in Michigan, uh, we found out that writing the rain paper was a was an absolute necessity because we had torrential downpours for yeah. for three of the seven days. So, <laughs>
0: wow. uh,
1: pretty cool. Good to yeah. have those. Good to have that paper. Yeah. Uh, Good and stuff. people
0: should go back and listen to our podcast because we did a podcast, all three of us. It was very fun.
1: It was a good time. There, there might have been scotch involved, but I'm not responsible. <laughs> so.
0: Oh my god, that's so funny. Okay, so what? It, go ahead.
1: No, that that that's it. That pretty much covers it. Um, I would keep an extra supply of lighting and batteries uh, near the the command center, or a generator, maybe, so you can keep your radios working and all that kind of stuff, no matter what happens.
0: All righty. What is a QRF force for our purposes here? Who should man it and when? And what should every member have on them in the QRF?
1: All right. So your QRF is your quick reaction force. That's the team that if if one of your security posts is having a problem, they'll go and help them. Or let's say you sent two people out to get water and they encounter someone and they want some help. Your quick reaction force will go. So the military veterans out there, you guys know what a QRF is in a military context. It's usually like a whole platoon, like 36 guys, but we're not going to have that. We're going to have maybe four or five guys I can put on there. So what I want to do is pick my most fit and most well-trained guys, um, uh, to be sort of your local SWAT team, right? Um, it's not necessarily full-time, those guys doing it all the time. You might have you know, four guys who do it for the first 12 hours, then four guys who do it for the next 12 hours. But whatever it is, you need to have at least four people designated at all times to be the QRF. It doesn't mean they have to be awake and around. They can be sleeping and still be on the QRF as long as someone can get them and let them know they're needed. But you need to pick your most fit and best trained people on there. Um, you need at least four for sure, um, so you have two two-man teams. Um, they can do other things, but they need to be able to to break away and do QRF things whenever you need them. Um, it's got to be skill-based. You can't put people who don't have any kind of training on there. They have to be people who are your best trained to the standards in these books um, to be your your QRF. It's not a job for everybody. So what all of them need to have available the entire time that they're on duty um, Their full belt kit, that's the two canteens, the, the sidearm and spare ammo, um, a little bit of survival gear and a little bit of food and, and a first aid kit. Uh, and then their full patrol bag with all of that gear that's in it with them, along with their defensive firearms, whether it's an AR or whatever, um, within arm's reach the entire time they're on duty as a QRF. Again, you could be sleeping and have it within arm's reach. That's fine. Um uh, but they all also have, need to have a radio and spare battery with them at all times so that you can reach them in an emergency. And and I always say keeping a spare battery around is never a bad idea. Uh mm-hmm. I've got at least two batteries for every radio I own, uh and some of them more. So um again, they should be your most well trained and most fit people, um, especially those who can move over ground carrying a load um pretty quickly. The guys who, who ruck the farthest and fastest.
0: Yeah. And we've talked about that before and I think, the last book about fitness is that that's a legitimate concern because, as you mentioned, the people think, oh, well, you know, walking a mile is not a big deal. Not necessarily, especially if you haven't done it and get some shin splints and you'll be crying if you have to carry 50 pounds on your back.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I didn't mention it earlier, but it's important to bring it up is that your command post jobs, like the radio operators, people manning the maps or, or maintaining your intelligence book or whatever, those can be your less fit people or the elderly or the very young, the ones who can't necessarily get out there and fight or those who aren't as 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 quick on their feet, right? You got a guy who's in a wheelchair or a guy who walks with a cane, they can still contribute to the greater overall defense of the group by serving in the command post.
0: Yeah, and we well,
1: can use kids as runners. They're great people to deliver messages.
0: Well, speaking of that, um you have mentioned before that fire is a major concern. This is yes. where you might utilize some of the slower or elderly members of the damage control party. In what way?
1: Right. So a damage control party, that's a Navy term that, that those are the guys who fight the fires. So if, if you're...
0: Why do you say a, fire is a major concern?
1: Because we won't have a fire department to come and help you and fire oh, okay. will destroy everything that you have. It'll destroy your shelters. It'll destroy the food. It'll destroy everything that you guys have. So, but you're, wait,
0: but you're saying that they would be starting a bunch of fires, right?
1: Oh yeah. It's entirely possible. I mean, okay. we're already seeing them start fires, right We are yeah. seeing suspicious fires all over the place already. Yeah, uh, and we're seeing Jane's addiction, uh, lighting churches on fire and things like that. So a great way to get you to come out of your, your secure camp is to set it on fire. So you need someone who has the ability to fight that fire who's not involved in the defense. You don't want your people protecting the perimeter turning around to fight the fire because the fire might be the distraction so the bad guys can get inside. So you might want to put some of your less fit or younger people involved in fighting fires, carrying buckets of water or fire extinguishers around uh, and putting out fires. Uh, I've said this several times that, we're talking about a full without rule of law situation here, right? Not a, not a temporary situation, not a, uh, not a, 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 you know, three hour power outage. I'm talking weeks or months where there's not going to be power or help. Gather up fire extinguishers from vacant buildings or, or looted businesses and bring them back so you can have them to help you fight fires because fire is going to be one of your biggest risks with no one available to come and fight it.
0: And check your fire extinguishers now, too, the ones that oh, you, you know actually what? That's have.
1: a great thing, because one of the services I do for people is I do preparedness surveys of their home, and I just did one for a lady, uh, and, and half of her fire extinguishers were, were, were in the red. So yeah. make sure you're checking them every single month. Don't store them on the ground, people. That, that'll drain a fire extinguisher's pressure pretty quick. So
0: What do you mean storing them on the ground?
1: Fire like, extinguishers, if you look at a business or anywhere else, they're mounted off the ground. Uh-huh. They need airflow all the way around them. If you put them on uh-huh. the ground, everything starts to settle, and it will uh, it'll lose pressure. You need so that, that air can flow all the way around it. So set it on a shelf, mount it on a wall, do anything other than setting it on the ground.
0: Oh, so if mine's on the top of the microwave, it's fine?
1: Yes, that's fine. Okay. As long as it's not sitting directly on the ground, which draws heat away from it.
0: Interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, what are the battle stations, who should man them, and how would you use members of other groups to fortify your manpower structure?
1: All right, so you're going to have a security team, which are your 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 more fit people, but everyone no matter what they do in your organization, whether somebody who's just on your farming team or someone's on your medical team or or somebody who who works your radios or whatever, they're going to have an assigned battle station somewhere for them to go. If I'm if I'm one of the guys who's out growing food, if we're being attacked, I still have to pick up a rifle and get on the line to supplement the security team. If I'm the, the guy, uh, your carpenter who builds things for you when bad things happen, I have to have the ability to go and help with the defense because that's the most important thing at that time so everyone needs to have that spot so i might have two security people assigned to one place but if the call goes out that someone is approaching and it looks like it's going to be something bad um i might send that extra person over there's three people instead of two or four instead of two uh, so everyone will have a secondary place where they're supposed to go medical people will probably report to the medical department or get spread out as medics to help people um and your communications people will probably go right to the communications section, but everyone else should have a position along the fence or along your perimeter or if it's a building like along the outside of the building where they're going to go to defend from. Everyone needs to have an assigned spot to go for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, that way you're fully manned and you know you can defend the property. Number two, I need to know that everyone is where they belong so that anyone who appears in an odd place is obviously not one of us and uh right. that that clears us to be able to deal with them the way we need to.
0: All right, that's a really good point about that, obviously, right? Um, right on. And a lot of this would be written down again, your emphasis on paper. You have it written out, you, you have my, a map.
1: My notebook, uh my <laughs> Contacted Notes notebook is a great way to plan right. all of this out. It's got it's got forms in there designed to help you organize that.
0: So. Excellent. And you can get all of that at tactical-wisdom.com. And again, just a reminder for the interim break here is all these podcasts are available on my website, brooktalksamerica.com. It's brook with an E. Type it all together. Um, refresh on the definition and history of the Sally Port. We had talked about it before, but what is it and how it applies for our purposes here?
1: Well, a Sally Port, um, it goes all the way back to medieval times when when a fortress was surrounded by the enemy. That's how you used to wage war, right? So the the guy in charge of the local area, w- whether he was a lord or a knight or whatever, he would have this castle, and everyone would def- would retreat into the castle when bad folks came or when raiders came to their town, and everyone would help defend the castle, just like we were just talking about, right? Everyone has a spot to go to to help with the defense. So what would happen then was the bad guys would surround it and try to try to attack that castle. But those castles always had a secret door where they could send people out to sneak around behind the enemy, and either gather food, hunt for food, or attack the enemy. And it was called a sally port because they would sally out from it. Uh, sally was, was formerly a military term for making an attack, right? Or going out on a mission. So, um, we still use a sally port. So if I've got a whole, like, like a farm compound, I've got my main entrance, but I'm also going to have a hidden back entrance, uh, or sally port where I can send out people if we're being attacked or we can escape from it, if it looks like we're going to lose. Right. If it looks like they are going to overrun our location, we can slide out the Sally port. So what I would do in the event of attack is always assign at least one security person to go and protect that um, so that you still have a way out no matter what happens.
0: All right. Um, as I mentioned, this is where it got. Very real for me today. Just reading this gave me the the heebie-jeebies because of what's going on in Sri Lanka. And by the way, what's going on there is the ESG bullshit. It's the climate change. The same thing that's happening with the Dutch farmers. Same thing that's happening with Ghana. All of these places are they have a high, you know, ESG score and it's destroying their countries. So we cannot do that here. I don't know how we stop it. We just have to say no, uh, and then figure out what the other ways are to stop it. But we're, you know, we're in the third book now and all of our podcasts have covered everything from medical supplies to water purification to different types of bags and kids. And you just mentioned it earlier about the EDC and patrol bags and general commentary on gardening and growing food. But this is the primary factor in survival, the first and foremost food and water, right? Yes, medical is imperative imperative but food and water first so you get you cannot defend yourself and that's what we're talking about defensive operations in this book if you're too tired from hunger or thirst so describe not only what people should do to store their food supplies and like how and where including burying caches but also the rationale of having a sacrificial food stash something most people would not be thinking about
1: right on so Here's the thing about food. Um, throughout human history, wars were fought over food or food storage. Um, the Native American tribes fought wars over hunting and fishing grounds. Um, all of the earlier wars were over the fields and who would grow food where. Uh, so understand that, that food has been a motivator of human conflict for years, and it's actually the motivator of all of these civil wars we're seeing beginning all over the world. Um, For those of you watching the news, I'll remind you that I have predicted long ago that World War III would not be a major power confrontation, but it would be a collection of worldwide civil wars. And Mm. that's kind of where we are today, right? We're seeing them start all over. And every one of them has at their root hunger or the potential for hunger by restricting the ability to grow food. Mm. So um, understand that food is the most important thing. It's also one of the first things people begin to gather for preparedness is food. Um, you need to understand first when you start gathering food that you need more calories in, in a without rule of law situation than you do today. Because today we live a sedentary life where we spend most of our time sitting on the couch or sitting behind a desk or sitting behind the wheel of a car. But when we're having to walk everywhere and we're having to work in our own fields and we're having to do everything by foot, we're going to need a lot more calories. So. Right. Uh, whatever you think you need for food storage, you need more. Or for food food production, you need more. So basically, you want to get your food set up. Um, and I, I always use this Bible verse to 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 kind of guide this. You don't want to put it all in one place, right? Everyone's temptation is to build this giant food stash. Well, if you do that, you're kind of tied to it, right? And if somebody gets it, they get all of your food. But there's a there's a Bible verse that we teach every man a warrior, uh, and it's Ecclesiastes eleven two. It says, give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And when you think about it, it's more meant about investing, right? Spread your money out. But here, it means spread your food out. So Mm -hmm. I might have one big storeroom here, but I'm also going to have a few other stashes of food elsewhere in case that storeroom burns down or someone steals from it or whatever. And I need to put that food in various places. So have more than one location to store your food. Uh, I believe we've all heard the phrase, don't put all your eggs <laughs> in one basket. Yeah. Uh, somebody might take that basket from you. So so there it is. Um, what you could do, is your food should always be guarded or checked by your patrols all the time because food will be the most important thing, right? Um, another thing about ancient siege warfare that went on for thousands of years um, is that the greatest way to defeat anyone – was to burn their food, then they would have to leave wherever they were to go out and get more food. So you need to be serious about protecting your food. It is literally your lifeline. Um, So anyway, um, when you have excess food, you need to start setting it up. Um, The Vikings, a long time ago, they did what was called um, creating a hold. And that's where the word hoard eventually came from, right? They would dig a hole and they would bury their goods, whether it was whether it was silver or gold or whatever they had gotten, they would bury it. That way, when somebody raided them, they wouldn't get it. Same thing here with food. I'm going to bury excess food or excess ammunition, whatever, in various places so that we can get it. What I suggest you do, if you've got a fixed location you're going to be from, whether it's your house, your farm, your bug out location, whatever it is, get some places outside of there where you can bury some portable food like backpacking type food or or things like that, right, bagged food, canned food, things that you can carry with you because if you get pushed out of your location for a few days to go and hide, you want to be able to pick up portable food and you might not have time to grab it before you leave, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if I've got three or four stashes out in several different directions from where I'm at, I can leave, pick up that food from its stash, and then move on. And as you gather more and more things, you can make those stashes more and more capable. Like you can put extra ammunition for your weapons in there. And we'll get to that in a later chapter. But, but certainly at least with food, once you start getting accesses, start moving it into different hidden locations. Um, and then bring it from the hidden locations to the main storeroom. Um, you don't want it all in one place. You want to spread it out. Yeah.
0: Well, and if you're going to, if just, so, you know, if you're going to, bury anything make sure that it's covered in plastic you can put it in totes make sure that it's got some water absorption and everything like that just in case
1: yep guys there's some great ideas for doing that in the book we don't want to give everything away for free that's Uh, right (laughs) so so you can get the books faster from amazon but you can also get them from my website at tactical wisdom.com um so a sacrificial food stash is one one open area where you've got food That everyone can see. So it could be like in a storage room by your command post or in one of the houses, um, or in one of the buildings. Leave a stash that's a pretty, (coughs) excuse me, pretty good chunk of food. Not enough to damage your food supplies, but enough to make someone who is attacking you think, ooh, we found the good stuff, right? Where they come in and they find a little something and then they decide, okay, we found something. We can move on now. That will get them to leave your place much faster. If you let them think they found some secret stash, you know what I mean? Yeah, just just like like a room with a locked door. They can kick in the door and they find, say, I don't know, 25 cans of food and they think, hey, we got a bunch of food and then they move on. Right. Uh, I put my 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 food that's going to expire the soonest or the food that nobody likes or something <laughs> like that there. Um. But but it's something you can do to trick someone into thinking they got all your good stuff. And but maybe something got,
0: good in there too, so that it wouldn't be like, "Oh, we're giving them the old cat food."
1: Well, they might think that's all you have.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, twenty so cans sorry, of you're tuna cat fish. Lady,
1: you got you got old cat food, right?
0: I love cats, but I'm not eating that food. But I'm saying, like, twenty cans of tuna fish ain't gonna do it. I don't think. Hey, not gonna one put of them the best. The trip.
1: One of the best film series about life in a without rule of law world, the Mad Max series. Uh-huh. Uh, Max regularly is on in those movies eating cans of dog food. I'm just saying. Oh,
0: I know it's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's um, it did you? Okay, so recap the training standards.
1: All right. So you should be able to, after you've you've trained on this, explain what a tactical operations center or a command center, whatever you call it, is. And, and what groups should be based there. Explain what an accountability list is and what it's used for, and that's where we talked about knowing where everyone is at all times. Um, explain what a quick reaction force is. Describe what a battle station is. Define a sally port and explain its use. You should have the ability to bury a cache or build an above-ground cache. That's where we like hide it in an old abandoned building or something. Um, and list areas in a common urban dwelling that can be used for a cache. That's all in the book.
0: Yeah, and if that sounds like war, it's because it is, and that's what they're planning. So get ready. Uh, Was there anything else you would have included in this chapter, Joe?
1: Man, there's so much more I would have included in here. Um, I would have included more of a of an organizational structure, and I know I did that in the first book, but it's good to repeat it and remind Mm -hmm. it. So that's probably well. They
0: need to get the book then, right?
1: Right. Get them all. Need the whole set.
0: And listen to our podcast, which they can find on com, and they can go to get the books on tactical-wisdom.com and don't feed the beast, right?
1: Right, right on. So we're actually pretty excited about the, the project that comes after this book that's about to come out because we're going to actually write a first aid book. And we've got awesome. a, bunch of, uh, a bunch of people like Demp and a few others we're going to be tapping to help us um, get good quality info in there. And we're even going to awesome. take the cover and change my logo from the normal colors to red and, and, and black so that you can see it a little bit better.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, maybe make the stripes around the book uh, red, too, so that you can grab it and know that that's the first aid book. So
0: That is a cool great stuff. idea, Joe. You should yeah. do a video, too.
1: Oh, uh, We've got lots of videos coming out. Um, we've done a couple where we've taken some of my articles from the website and set them to video. Um, but I'm, all, I've also got one that's being, uh, produced right now where I went out and built a couple of shelters in the woods. And, uh, we're going to be teaching those skills and we're going to have more and more of those. And, uh, I'm we I'm thinking actually, about the
0: first aid one. Do it with Demp.
1: Oh, there will be a bunch. There will be a yeah. bunch. Well, that's kind of hard to do since we're 1600 miles apart, but. <laughs> But uh but we will we will we will work something out.
0: This is well I'm saying you could do the side by side and he could do it and you could explain it or whatever like that. But that's that's excellent, especially the medical. Yeah but if
1: you use demp, you have to have a translator because that man doesn't speak English.
0: (laughs) Oh, I miss Twitter. Tell him I said hi. I miss it. But I'm not going back just on principle. We, we're going to have to we should talk a little bit about speaking of Twitter before we get into the politics stuff. I want to get into, you know, what do you think about um, about that? Like, first of all, I just want to say, you know, I love Trump. I know you have thoughts about Trump, but I love Trump. But he should just he had an opportunity to use the Twitter situation with with Musk against like Twitter, Instead, he got caught up in this stupid, petty BS and it's not helpful for him. He doesn't need to be having drama like that, but the situation with Musk is, uh, he, you know, he, he put the bid aside and now, don't you think that this is going to be really good because they're going to have class action lawsuits shareholder lawsuits, discovery, and it's going to show all the behind the scenes that the IC is involved. It's just a government op. It's just bots and it's just a misinformation play.
1: I, I don't, I don't know that that's going to happen because that discovery is not necessarily going to be made public. But, really? um, but the other piece of this is, is that first of all, Joe Stradamus predicted exactly that this was going to happen. Uh, and two, which part? A lot of people, that 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 he was not actually ever going to buy it.
0: Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but here's the other part: is so many people, just like with Donald Trump, so many people have put all their faith behind Elon Musk. And it, you know, if you look back over time, this fits the Elon Musk pattern. He, he's not what he what he appears to be, and he's not for either side. He's for his own side, and mm-hmm. and I I just I think people put way too much stock. In any one man, right? Elon Musk is going to do what's best for his shareholders and what's best for Elon Musk. He's not doing things out of altruism or, or anything like that. Um, but so, this
0: is not good for Tesla.
1: I'm sorry, you, you cut out. What was that?
0: This, this is not good for Tesla. What he's, His problems with Twitter and everything is not good for Tesla. The shares are well, dropping Tesla, like a rock.
1: Tesla is technically not good for Tesla because he himself admitted they're not actually electric cars or coal-fired cars. Uh, but um, oh you know, he—I believe that Tesla w- was actually a side project of all of his other work to get tax credits, right, um, oh, for making electric cars, so yeah. and get subsidies. So, yeah. so well, it, I, you know, what? Here's the thing: he, he's a—he's a good dude. He's a businessman, but he reminds me a lot of Kanye West. You interesting. know. Gonna change the shoes depending on what crowd he's talking to and do what's best for his brand at that particular time. So, so there is that.
0: Yeah, and for the record, I'm not a, I'm not a Musk fan. My, my, uh I don't like this idea of chipping, you know, he's, he's shady as all. He's involved, you know, he's in bed with the Chinese Communist Party. So, like, I'm not, oh. I'm not a, you know, I'm not one of these fanboys of Elon Musk. He may be really smart and everything like that. And I like that he puts out tweets about free speech and everything. You and I have talked, you know, about him and this, your feelings on this, you know, that you just said on the show before. Obviously, you know, I'm, I like Trump and even, even beyond the person of Trump, I just like what the, the idea of Trump, the idea that there's this bull in a china shop who, yes, he, he's very imperfect, you know, but he's the only one to come along. So, no, I don't, I don't necessarily put my faith in him, right, like that, but he's the only one to come along on the right that even had a smidgen of balls to do what he did. So that's why I like him. You know, I love DeSantis. Um, I do want Trump to run again. I don't know what, you know, uh, he's, he's, his beefing with Musk is so stupid that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen about that. Unfortunately. See, I don't
1: even pay attention to it, so I don't even know what, what that is, so.
0: Well, yeah, it's just, it's unnecessary, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, I, I had a friend of mine who's involved with, you know, who has some connections there to, like, tell him, like, you know, he needs to hire me for stratcoms because he's just missing, he misses opportunities and he, he creates problems where he doesn't need to. We don't have time for any bullshit. <laughs> okay. So anyways, but, um, I wanted to get into this because I, you know, everybody knows, uh, most people I assume li- who listen to this podcast would know the Georgia Guidestones were blown up this week. I didn't even know what they were, but apparently my boss, Has been there. So this people came in today, you know, to the, to the store and were talking about it. And they were like, Oh, you know, I didn't even know. Tell the audience what they were, why the right is so happy about them being quote unquote blown up. And what are your thoughts as to what actually happened with that? And isn't there another location that they talk about too?
1: I don't know about other locations, but I'll tell you that, that the story of the Georgia Guidestones is very, very interesting. So in the 80s I don't know the exact date a man using a fake name uh Robert Christian went to a uh, a granite company there in Georgia and said that uh, you know he wanted these stones built and installed at a certain location uh he he went to the farmer and paid cash for the land so that he could put them there um but the 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 company didn't want to make these stones because they didn't like what was being put on them so they quoted him just a ridiculously high price like four times what it would actually cost and the guy said, yeah, and I'll pay cash. Huh. So that should tell you there was a little something sketchy behind it, right? So they built them. And what they basically talk about is ten commandments or ten ideas for mankind. And they mention specifically eugenics and <gasps> limiting uh, limiting the number of people on the planet to 500 million, uh, growing sustainable food and all these things. And some of them sound very nice and everything, but when you get to the base of it, you have to ask yourself at the time when they wrote that there were over four and a half billion people on the planet. So how did they plan on getting down to below (laughs) 500,000? Right. So the panels are repeated in, in eight different languages. There's four panels, one on each side and it's all the major languages of the world, you know, English, French, Chinese, Indian, Russian, a few others, and four dead languages like Aramaic, Sanskrit, and some of the others. Um, uh, that's up on top. So, essentially, someone came in in the middle of the night, planted some sort of an IED on the bottom, uh, and blew it up. Oh, let me, let me let me finish the other story. So, after they were built, the uh, the conglomerate that built it, which everyone has tried to trace it, it comes back to nothing but shell company after shell company, donated the land to the county with the agreement that the stones must stay up. So that's where they are. <coughs> Man, having a bad cough tonight. Yeah. Um, so anyway, someone come, came in there and planted what appears to me and to several other people who uh, who might know these kind of things. Um, it appears to me they used a shape charge along the bottom to blow one of the panels out, and it knocked down uh, two of the panels. Um, what's unique and significant about this is, first of all, that nothing appears on the video. Although I've pointed out, and I'm not going to tell you how, but there is a way – at night to, uh, to make yourself not appear on video in the dark. It, it's, it's not that hard to do. You just gotta have a little bit of the equipment. Um, hold a hmm. hunk. Lucy's over there doing something with the bone, being crazy. Hi, Lucy.
0: Um,
1: so the funny thing is, is that in less than 24 hours, the local sheriff had the site demolished. Now he claims that he demolished it because they couldn't reach an owner to secure their unsafe property. Mm. But one would think that if we're looking at an internationally significant bombing that the ATF and the FBI were on scene for, that we would have waited another couple of days before tearing down the site, right? To do crime scene analysis and all that. But it was gone in less than a day. And they had bulldozers come and drive all over it and smash it and take everything away. So, um, I said that my prediction is you're going to see the most unenthusiastic criminal investigation in Georgia, in Georgia because I don't think anyone in Georgia cares who blew it up. I think that they they're just glad it's gone.
0: Interesting. You know they wanted. I heard heard that they wanted to uh, demolish UALD school.
1: Yeah, that's on the plan. Yeah, they're going to yeah. demolish the school. Uh, I um, thought
0: that was kind of sus too.
1: Well, uh, it is something that we've been doing uh, ever since uh, Newtown, Connecticut, with schools where there was a mass shooting. Um, and uh,
0: the Amish school, too, actually, I think, before that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it All is right. something we do, but it is a little odd. It is a little odd.
0: Well, certainly with Georgia, like right the next day, it's like Biden oh, yeah. was talking about that literally like within a day. And i just look when the immediate rush is to talk about it. You know that it's suspicious regardless. You know, because and and especially like in the Uvalde case with all the other things that happened, that would be like, did they ever demolish that Vegas hotel? No,
1: no, no, no.
0: Yeah. Isn't that interesting? We never even heard anything about that.
1: Well, that's private property, but still. Yeah,
0: that's true. Okay, Um, but still, it
1: makes a lot of money, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's why they put it. That's why they put it to rest. And nothing ever happened from it. Totally sus. Yeah. Uh, How many people was that? Fifty seven. Yeah. Who
1: are related to that, who have died. Yeah. 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 I mean, one or two coincidence, but fifty seven and all of them have one thing in common. They all reported multiple shooters.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I mean, I don't
1: want to put on a tinfoil hat, but I've got tinfoil nearby.
0: I mean, I'm saying, though, um, I got it on right now, Agent Jansen. Okay, so speaking of things getting blown up, there's another natural gas plant explosion. Some eco-terrorists are slashing SUV tires and other cra- craziness. What do you make of it?
1: Well, here's the thing. Um, S2 Underground, some friends of ours, uh, have been mentioning these fires, and they say that here's the thing. We don't know that there's anything suspicious about them, but they are coming at a rate that is, that is way outside the yeah. norm. And the problem is we never hear any follow-up. And when you go back and look at any of these, they'll say, well, the fire was uh, is under investigation. And they never change it from there. And no one ever follows up to say, oh, well, they determined it was this, that, or the other thing. Um And again, like I keep telling everybody, people want to argue with me that these are all just accidents and they're only coincidences. But for our purposes, as people interested in being prepared for what's coming, that doesn't matter. What yeah. matters to us is that they are happening and that the effect on us is an increased cost of propane, increased cost of LNG gas, decreased availability of gasoline and oil products, and an increase in food prices. Yeah. These things are what we need to worry about. Um, yeah, I, I think there is a coordinated campaign. And I, I think I put out a tweet on after the explosion on Saturday and said, when someone is waging war against you, you must eventually act like it. Right. Um, Action needs to be taken to do something to harden these things. So, for example, when um, when the 4th of July weekend came around and um, everyone was t- – or I'm sorry, not 4th of July weekend. When the when the decision came out um, about abortion, mm-hmm. I said, listen, if you're looking for something to do this Friday night, veterans, protecting your church isn't a yes. bad idea because the local police aren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. And we continue to see church arsons and abortion clinic arsons, including three in Michigan. Um, listen, if the police aren't going to get out and do something, know what your rights and what the laws are and get out and do something yourself. You have a right to defend someone else's property. Citizens arrest is a thing. And, yep, you know what? They might, they might take you the wrong way. They might say that you're the one out there instigating things. But sometimes right is right. And we have to do it if they won't do it.
0: Yeah. Well, we don't see it. So, the you know, the black pill, the pain gets worse and uh, we'll see what we'll see what it takes. Right. I mean,
1: well, so. So, you know, that this actually brings us around to the bodega case.
0: Yes. I was so, just going to talk about it. Here Not you Bogata. have
1: here you have. Yeah. Or Bogada.
0: Or, or quote, Aga, yeah.
1: Whatever she said, it was <laughs> it was all the way wrong, no matter what she said. So here you have an immigrant in America uh-huh. starting his own business and doing everything he can to do the right thing. And these absolute thugs come in and rob him and they're beating him up over the price of something. So that's technically a robbery. Right. But
0: You know what it was? It was chips and it was it was her EBT card. Yeah. And he's wearing yeah. a three hundred dollar shirt.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. So so then he chokes a man, someone choking you is deadly force. Mm-hmm. So a struggle ensues. At some point, the girlfriend pulls a knife. He gets the knife from her. The man's still choking him. He stabs the man, and the man dies. So Under he, US stabbed,
0: law. he stabbed the boyfriend with her knife?
1: With her knife, yes.
0: Holy crap, they don't even talk about that.
1: Well, of course they're not going to talk about that, because that wow. destroys their whole narrative. Wow. And so when the police the police come, the police are probably on the side of the shop owner. And tell them, Mm -hmm. hey, man, just make the statement. Hey, man, you did the right thing. But it gets to the prosecutor, and the prosecutor goes, no, go arrest the guy, Uh, which is absolutely ludicrous. And I've actually – I have some personal experience with this. Um, Way back in the uh, early 90s, uh, I worked for Lord & Taylor, uh, and some of my employees were involved in a shoplifting incident where a suspect died. And um the police came, they were hundred percent supportive of my guys. I wasn't in the building at the time, but they're like, Hey, y'all did the right thing. The guy attacked you, tried to run you over with a car, what else was gonna happen? And the guy actually died of a heart attack because uh he was on Coke. Mm. So um my guys wrote a statement, cops let him go, the next day the prosecutor said, No, go arrest him, we're charging them with murder. There's literally no basis for a murder charge, right? But they did it anyway. Um so you need to understand that that I get it. Um they're they're not gonna let you claim self defense anymore. But your other option is to just sit there and die. Right? Yeah. So if the man hadn't defended himself, there's no guarantee that this dude would not have choked him out and killed him. So or stabbed you have to take
0: him. that action. What's that? Or stabbed him.
1: Right, or stabbed yeah. him or whatever. So you have to take that action to defend yourself. And sometimes doing the right thing is more important than the laws of man. And, and I'm not advocating illegal activity because self-defense is legal, <laughs> right? Yeah. Just because the courts don't see it that way or not the courts, the prosecutors don't see it that way right now. Um, you still have to go down that process. And I understand that it sucks and nobody has the money to fight to fight a Rittenhouse style defense. But we might have to do that a few times to establish our rights. Um, this is further proof that they want to break the contract they have with us all. They yeah. want to eliminate your right to self-defense. But if you understand your rights and you act within them, do it. So, for example, Michigan law says that if someone breaks into an occupied house, you have the right to use deadly force without warning on them. You don't have to know if they're armed. You don't have to know what they're there for. The law says if they broke into a house, there's you may immediately presume that they're there to harm you because they knew somebody would be in that house or could be in that house. Right. So you can just shoot them. Without warning. Now, do you think in our current legal climate that you would just get away with it? No, they're probably going to charge you with murder. But the law says it's legal. Well, so it
0: depends what state.
1: I said in Michigan. I'm talking specifically in Michigan The Michigan law says I can do it. Now, I probably wouldn't in practicality because I'm more concerned about my freedom than that. But let's just say I did. It's worth making that legal fight no matter what it costs. And I'm sure there are organizations who would step in to help you make that fight.
0: Um, well, regarding the bodega situation, I, I think there's a bigger issue than no, and I haven't heard anybody discussing it. Tucker kind of, he talked about it a little bit, but he didn't talk about it as directly as this. I think, first of all, the, the thug is black. The the owner of the bodega is Dominican. It's in New York, right? It was in New York, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I think that there's a lot of tension. This whole black and brown thing doesn't exist. It's a complete myth. There is no black and brown. Black people do not necessarily like Hispanic people. Hispanic people don't necessarily like black people. You have a situation where an old immigrant man Right, who's working hard to to serve that community, by the way, right, is mm-hmm. is uh, attempted to be jacked by a black thug, who he then sh- stabs, and a black Soros prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, who's a piece of crap, charges a guy with murder. I think that there's a bigger issue with that, and I th- that's going to be a problem.
1: Well, what it's doing is it's leading to a general state of lawlessness, which is what I keep telling everybody. And I keep putting out tweets about it that says you're already in a societal collapse. You need to start acting like it. So what it's doing is it's leading to the state of general lawlessness. If you think about the prosecutor's actions, what he's saying is that violently assaulting a shop owner is okay, but the shop owner resisting that is not. It's the same thing that we're saying in California with stealing from a store is fine, but the store attempting to stop you from stealing is not. Right. So that's increasing this. That's where we end up with a situation like we had, what was that, two years ago, where the two girls carjacked the Uber driver and killed her. Oh,
0: yes. Oh, and they didn't care they were, about that. Two when black you look girls. At the,
1: when you look at the situation in Akron, right, where this... They the 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 Black Lives Matter activists are painting this as a young man who was just out driving the police pulled him over oh, yeah. he complied and they shot him 60 times that's not the case at all he's wearing a mask he was involved in some sort of criminal activity he fled from the police and he attempted to shoot them several times and the only reason he didn't shoot them at the window of his car is because the gun jammed mm-hmm. right and took off running so what they want, their demands are the an end to traffic law enforcement, mm-hmm. so do you think that's ever going to happen that we're going to stop making traffic stops no i don't I don't think we'll make the policy decision to do it, but I think cops will stop doing it
0: oh, I, actually T- Tucker talked about this and it and it showed that th- because of that so called racial profiling, more black people have actually died because of car accidents, yes,
1: yeah, so here in yes. detroit what okay. what happens is The city of Detroit hasn't made traffic stops in a long time. They do them if there's a particular intersection that's a problem, but in general, they don't do traffic law enforcement. So what happens is people run red lights and run stop signs at high speed because no one stops them, and it leads to increased traffic accidents. And no one ever has insurance because nobody ever gets checked for their insurance. So um, it's absolutely crazy, uh, and it does lead to more deaths. So there's that, and then there's these these policies that are coming out from various police departments that say, okay, so we're no longer going to chase anyone, like Chicago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's not actually going to make anything safer, because what that means now is that everyone is going to run from the police because the police can't chase them. Right. And that doesn't lower the risk to the community. It increases it, because just because the police aren't chasing a bad guy, that doesn't mean he's not going to drive fast and drive ridiculous to get away. He is. Mm-hmm. So these things are just making communities less safe.
0: Well, but uh, there's – I think it's it's either Portland or Seattle. The cops are not even going to go on rape calls.
1: Yeah, we're seeing that in a lot of cities where they're saying, hey, look – we're seeing it in Michigan here in a couple of counties where they're saying, look, um, we don't have any gas. We've blown our gas budget, so we're not coming out on calls. Yeah. So what is that going to do for me as the citizen? So As the average citizen, I'm going to think, okay, so the police aren't going to come, so I have to protect my own property. Boy, it's going to lead to a lot of shootings and a lot of fights and a lot of bad things because the police were that moderating influence whether we want to believe it or not, Mm -hmm. right? If I knew I could call the police, they'd deal with it, then that's fine. But when I know the police aren't going to come, they're telling me ahead of time, hey, look, I can't come. Well, then I'm probably going to handle it, and I'm probably not going to handle it the right way.
0: Mm. Yeah, well – I still think about this bodega thing. I really think that there is an issue, and that's going to be. I, I, I think we. That's my prediction. I think we should watch about that and see that that's going well, well, listen, to exacerbate. I've been
1: saying this for for over a year, uh, and and people, you know, they, they they say that I'm 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 being a little hyperbolic here, but I'm not. America, they keep claiming we have a white supremacy problem. We have a black supremacy problem. We have groups out there like yeah. um, like the black Hebrew Israelites who mm-hmm. are literally conducting terrorist attacks all of the time that are actually killing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a few white supremacists who hold up some signs, but the black Hebrew Israelites are killing people. The new Black yeah. Panther Party is threatening people every day. NFAC was out in the streets two days ago. Um, these groups are actually harming people. And there's a video that came out this morning. I don't know where it was from. But it shows a woman coming down the stairwell in a uh, in a low uh, in a government housing project. And this man's walking up the steps. and He just walks up. They don't appear to know each other at all. He punches her in the face and kicks her a few times. And then he keeps on walking. And then she's laying on the ground and two more young men come up and they just look at her and they open the door and use the door to push her aside as she's laying there bleeding and, and, and practically unconscious. Mm. We are facing a complete and total collapse because we are not enforcing the law. And when you look at this um, now out here in the suburbs, yeah, the police are still operating. But in the cities, the police are disengaging because they don't want to be the next guy to get sued. Right. And that's leading to more loss of life, more violence and more robberies.
0: All right. Well, I'm I'm over the point of caring about it, too. I have to say I'm I'm really if, if that's what you want, you know, but, you know, I'm not
1: I'm not because there are a lot of good people. Who live in those neighborhoods who can't move? They don't have the wherewithal and they the need ability. to stand
0: up and do something about it. Well, they need to true. be men and stand up. I'm sorry, it's look, no, that's true.
1: But but we can't just write them all. You
0: know? no, look, in it I I say that. Flippantly, I don't actually not care because no, obviously there's some I, of I, kids I, that are getting smoked. It's so f- annoying though. At a certain point, I'm sorry, you have to be men. The men in those communities need to stand up and be men. And let me tell you, guess what happens? It works in Chicago. Well, yeah, was, like at the
1: school where the dads came to school to stop yes, all the fights.
0: Yes, and it worked in, like a charm. In Chicago, it was um, it was these these Antifa came into the the community and the brothers rolled them out in Oakland. The Crips rolled them out. You can do it. Okay. You have to be men. The men have to stand up and take back their communities. And in that, you know, in the black community in particular, where they have just emphasized single motherhood, these, you saw the, you saw the video of those little toddlers and that was little black toddlers, future inmates. Oh yeah. It was disgusting. let, let
1: Let me tell you when in 10 years, When her son is laying in a casket because a cop shot him, she's going to say, my God, how could this have happened?
0: Yeah. But you raised that
1: child that way.
0: Yeah. And guess what? I don't care. I mean, like, at what point do we stop caring? Like, if that's what you're going to, if that's what you're about, okay, like, what can I do? I got to, you know, there are people that are not like that.
1: I even said about that video because one of the cops, one's a Minneapolis detective and the other one's uh, an ATF agent. I said, yeah. listen, I, I hate the ATF just as much as the next guy, but this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and they man. were both black. It's so sad. They're creating a generational cycle of violence. You know, you can't claim the police are targeting you when your children are out here literally trying to beat on police at four or five years old. They learn that behavior somewhere and that language
0: Well, look, like I said, the men have to take it back. Okay, so last thing, um, you see what's happening in the media now? I called this a few days ago. The media is taking dementia out, right, because he's killing the Democrats. All this China stuff is coming out. All the creepy stuff that they hid from about Hunter Biden is now coming out. I'm (laughs) going to make a Brookstradamus prediction, right, I use your name, I know, about Hunter Biden. He will be indicted by the end of August. What do you think?
1: Never going to happen. Never in a billion years going to happen. So I I said this yesterday. I said, one, y'all need to stop sharing around these videos for two reasons. Number one, no one's ever going to do anything about it. Right. So if they go to indict him in August, they have to admit then that they should have indicted him all along because they've had this all along. So they're never going to do it. They're not going to admit that big of a mistake.
0: How do they take dementia out?
1: (laughs) They're going to let him talk a few times. That's enough (laughs) to take him out. Um, But here's the other point that I want to tell people about. Stop sharing that stuff. You don't know the women in those videos, and you could very well be sharing child porn. I'm telling you there's some child porn involved here. And if you keep sharing that, they will take action on you.
0: Yeah, I don't share. I I went on that site. (laughs) when it first came out and I saw some stuff, first of all, I was so grossed out. I was like, I, I was spiritually like assaulted by watching that. And I thought to my, the same exact thing. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm not going to look at any more of this, even though I was curious to see what depravity it was, not with kids or something, but like I knew I said, okay, that they're going to be tracking that stuff. And you have, you have no idea. So you're absolutely right about that. I don't share it because it doesn't come up on getter anyways, but, Uh, That's a very good point, Joe, because, yeah. So, okay, interesting. You don't think that any – I mean, I kind of think that this whole, like, Hunter being at the Medal of Honor ceremony was such a – first of all, it was disgusting. Second of all, it was such a big F you, like, oh, really? You think you're going to do something? And look where I am.
1: Well, he's he was kicked out of the Navy for being a druggie, so that's –
0: Yeah, like the second day.
1: Yeah, that yeah. that's that's entirely his his own fault. But yeah, it is a little bit disgusting to have him there. I think they're just going to get rid of him um, based on general declining health. They'll claim his health, and I don't think it will be until after uh, December. They want to really? get the midterms out of the way first. They don't want a big shakeup right now. It'll make them look weak.
0: Interesting. So, yeah, but he's making them look bad anyways.
1: They'll just they'll just do the same thing they did during the during the election. They'll just hide him for a few months.
0: Well, they also have a, a – if you watch Tucker, you saw that Holly, Molly Hemingway has an article talking about whatever their plan is to steal the election. I mean, it's not like they're not going to do it again. So people have to stand up. I've been telling up. people
1: that all along, you stop putting your faith in elections. To, I know. If I, I know. learned how to steal them, why would I ever stop? And people exactly. go, well, now we know. Right. You knew then, and you did literally – I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to be – I'm not trying to advocate for, for any sort of direct action here for the federal agents listening. Yeah. But <laughs> – you knew the last time and you literally did nothing and you allowed them to get away with it. So what makes you think they're going to suddenly be afraid of you today? They're yeah. not afraid of you. They'll Love send it. the FBI for you.
0: Well, and and you know, that reminds me, me. Huh?
1: somebody asked me how I feel about the FBI, because I actually spent a big chunk of my career working closely with federal agents for a, for a long time. Um, and I said that, in all honesty, the FBI has just returned to its roots. When J. Edgar Hoover first founded it, Uh, he used them as a political bullying machine and gathering info on all kinds of people. Uh, then they became the preeminent investigative agency in the world and have now turned right back to being what they were in the beginning, just returning to their roots.
0: It's like Australia.
1: It is like Australia. Yeah. Penal colony to penal colony.
0: (laughs) You know, it's funny because I was watching, um, Silence of the Lambs the other day and that's what was all I could think of is like, they really, when they used to be amazing. And what they could do and what they were focusing on, you know, the Hoover stuff aside. But now it's all every every institution. Christopher Rufo actually wrote a really good article in Imprimus about it, how we need to take back the institutions. And that's every single one of them is totally compromised.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Is there anything else you think we should talk about, Joe, before we wrap up? I
1: want to, from a professional standpoint, as somebody who's involved in personal protection, discuss the assassination of Shinzo Abe. Yes.
0: Yes. Good.
1: Uh huh. So first of all, let me get, give a personal note. Shinzo Abe was a great man. And regardless of what side of the political spectrum you fall on, he believed in peace and he wanted to make the world a peaceful, a more peaceful place. And they killed him for it. So let's yeah. begin there. Right, Uh, No matter which side you fall down on, you can't argue with the fact that Shinzo Abe wanted to spread peace around the world, uh, and he is now dead. Um, From a a standpoint, uh, I want to point out from an American political standpoint is that it proves the fallacy that is gun control. You cannot, cannot get a gun in Japan, right? It's incredibly, incredibly hard to get a gun, and for the vast majority of people, it's actually impossible. So he made a gun and still used it. And if he hadn't been able to make a gun, he would have stabbed him. Uh, Japan has, they don't have mass shootings, but they have mass stabbings. So violence always finds a way.
0: Like England, yeah.
1: Like England, yeah. Second of all, I will say that uh, my my analysis of it has been that uh, his security detail failed miserably in allowing anyone to approach someone like Shinzo Abe with a large object in their hand. Now, uh, I've done some work for some of the preeminent uh, bodyguard organizations in the United States, and one of them, the biggest actually, uh, and most well-known one, uh, at the training facility, they said this, the legal department would much rather defend you for tackling a guy who was pulling out a camera than they would trying to explain a dead client. Yeah. And and that's where they went wrong, right? Someone should have tackled this guy when he started approaching and pulling out a very large object from his bag. Um it's a sad day. It was a bad thing. I don't think China was involved, but there are a lot of people who seem to believe that, that they were.
0: Yeah, because he was a nationalist and he was talking about uh, changing the constitution <laughs> to be able to defend against Ch- uh, China.
1: Right. To enable him to deploy troops to, uh, yeah. to defend Taiwan. Um, but the thing is this. He was not in office. So. Yeah, It doesn't really all it did was actually give them a a parliamentary win out of sympathy. Right. So like the next day they had elections and his party won big. So. Right.
0: Huh. Yeah, it was it was terrible. I was it was shocking. And
1: it was absolutely shocking uh, to to hear of a gun assassination in Japan was uh, was a little bit crazy.
0: See, I thought it was a message, though. I thought, you know, maybe I think a little bit too deeply about it, but I thought "Hmm, something about that seems like a message.
1: Uh, If it was a message, you probably would have been poisoned.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's all terrible. It's all terrible. We need baby J to come back. (laughs) Um, well listen thanks again for another great Tactical Tuesdays podcast my friend Joe again and I want to thank all of you for listening please share not only with your friends but on social media to be a force multiplier we're working to provide this information that could potentially save lives I always like to mention the elderly you know, and I guess infirmed as well, make sure they're all squared away. Okay. Um, it's getting rough out there. Probably a lot of fixed income people are having a really hard time. So let's take care of them and make sure they're, um, you know, taken care of with our preparedness stuff. You can catch all of our podcasts on my website, brooktalksamerica.com. And they're also on iHeart, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, and a whole host of others. um, Joe's website, tactical-wisdom.com, not only has his books available, but his great articles, so be, for, be sure to check those out, as well as his YouTube channel. I'm on Facebook and Getter. Joe is on those two, as well as Twitter. Uh, anyways, as with all of this stuff, hopefully we'll never need it in real time, but better to have and not need than need and not have. So let's get prepared and see you next week on Brook Talks America, Tactical Tuesdays. Oh, I
1: believe- the ground.